On this week's episode of Industry Relations, we solve the home affordability problem with CEO Rob Crane of Down Payment Resources. This is Industry Relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. This is your co-host, the notorious Rob Hahn, and I have my other co-host, Greg Robertson, who can be joining us right now. There you are. <laughs> Hola, Rob. How are you, man? Hola. Hola, Greg. This is this is getting to be pretty consistent, man. I'm kind of proud of us here. Uh, I'm kind of proud of us, too. I'm proud of you. Every week, right? Yeah. Ah, I'm proud of you because, you know, you're the one with uh, a real job, you know, unlike, Working for the unlike man. those of us Working who wake up unemployed every day. And <laughs> <laughs> a hustle. The hustle, baby. Um but I'm kind of excited about our conversation today because we've been talking about wanting to do something around housing affordability. You know, it's kind of one of those background topics that comes up in like just about every one of our conversations, I feel, yep. with what's going on. And um, yeah, it's a little nutty. You know, I mean, I, I've been writing a ton about millennial home ownership rate is below 50%. We're headed towards renter nation, you know, and I mean, I don't know if you're seeing anything like that with uh, with some of the things you guys are working on, like CMAs, like the volume of CMA, you know, volume of transactions, you know. Well, definitely the volume of CMA, doing it. Yeah. yeah, the volume of CMAs are going up, and I think that's a little bit more of a use case of using CMAs to generate leads are up there. But um, I think home ownership, home, um, you know, affordability is is a great topic. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I wrote about this a long time ago, but there was something I think it was. Uh, a, a 16z a16z those guys yeah a16z yeah 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 i had put out about how you know there was this inherent thing where it, it, the way that the financial institutions work towards mortgages like either wall street one or main street one right it was mm -hmm. a, that was the cyclical thing you and nothing was more the case than you could see back in the uh, great recession right but you right. know there are some fintech models out there where like maybe that you know, the homeowner and the lender can both be co-owners and therefore they're tied right. to each other. So when the equity goes up, they both win. And if, right. if something else happens, they're both down, right? So it's not this, right. you know, um, us or them thing, right? And and then there's just the nature of homeownership. I mean, right now, and I think these are changing a little bit, is that you either rent and have no responsibility, no equity or no anything, or right. you own and it's all on you, baby. <laughs> right. So right. I think that there's uh, di different ways and different models out there that are, are ripe for disruption for back, uh, lack right. of a better word to, to help uh, many people in different, different ways. And we know like one of the challenges, like millennials, younger buyers, right. The first time home buyers is, so there's a uh, study. I, I don't want to share it or anything, but people could find that real estate, which, Dot com. This was quoted recently, where they did a survey of millennials, right? And they one of the topics they talked about was like, what's preventing you, you know, from from buying a house right now? And fifty nine percent said market is too competitive. Fifty six percent homes are too expensive. Fifty two percent saving for a down payment, right? And yeah. you know that's a major topic because you know millennials with their student loans and everything else, like down payment is a real issue. It's a real barrier, which is why. We have a special guest with us today to kind of talk us through that. Uh, let's bring on Mr. Rob Crane, who is the CEO of Down Payment Assistance. Rob, how are you? I'm great, Rob. Greg, good to see you both. Welcome. Welcome, and thanks for joining us uh, for what I what I actually think is a real important conversation, 
right? Um, that even within the industry, I'm not sure how many brokers and agents really understand about down payment assistance, you know, those programs that might be available. So really happy to have you here to talk us through. Um, why don't we just get started with a, just a brief intro, you know, just tell us a little about your company and yourself and how you ended up in this crazy industry of ours. <laughs> yeah, that's a, uh, that's a long story. I'll try to give you the elevator version, but, and first of all, thank you for having me. I was, uh, really excited. I think it was when maybe your first, um, industry relations podcast this year. And at the end of it, you guys were talking about topics you wanted to cover this year. And, and Rob, you brought up affordability and, um, I fired off an email to Greg saying, Hey, here's some ideas. Um, and, uh, so thank you for having me and thank you for talking about this subject because it is important and it's a crisis. I mean, it really is. That's right. And it's a growing crisis. It's been growing a while. And mm -hmm. then it's just like COVID accelerated everything. This is one more thing that that COVID accelerated is is the, the crisis around um, uh, home ownership and affordability. So uh, my background, uh, I've always been in this crazy business in one form or another. And uh, and uh, before that, I was a, a roadie for a rock and roll band. So after oh. that, after I decided to settle down, I was looking for something that was almost as crazy, but maybe a little more respectable. And uh, I got into real estate. And I was a, a agent uh, listing and selling properties for about four years, uh, then a broker for about 10 years, went to the mortgage industry for about 20 years. So I've already dated myself now. But um, <laughs> so as uh, I, I didn't, I'm, I wasn't, uh, well, you're, you're entrepreneurial if you're in, in uh, the real estate mortgage business, but not, not a true yeah. entrepreneur, not a tech startup type entrepreneur. That wasn't my background. So, but one thing I did know from being in the business was that, there's all this money out there to help people get into homes with down payment assistance. And as a practitioner, you know, even when you're working your local market, there are usually dozens of programs and who can keep up with it. They're from different kinds of agencies, different rules. It's just, it was just messy. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, you know, there's gotta be a better way to do this. And then as the internet became the place to go to get information, especially real estate, uh, then I really thought, you know, there's there's an opportunity here to at least get this stuff organized, make it easier to find. And uh, but I had no intention. This was just something I thought somebody needed to do. I had no intention whatsoever. Uh, I didn't ever see myself doing that. But you know, be careful what you wish for. If you say something <laughs> enough time, um, you know, it may it may come true, or at least somebody will say, "Well, right. do it." And um, you know, the circumstances just happened to work out the way they did and here we are uh and it's been fun i mean it's been um you know it's just been an incredible ride and you guys know what it's like yep uh, being a you know having a startup and then building a company so so that was my background that's what how we got started in this we just i just wanted to connect people uh with hard to find resources to help them get into homes but also to help real estate agents brokers and uh, lenders make that uh, whole process easier so so how long have you guys been around uh doing this uh sort of down payment assistance work we started in 2008 uh in fact in a couple of weeks will be our 14th anniversary oh wow. by the way happy anniversary greg you got that's right 15, happy anniversary 15 years vendor alley i don't know what it's i would hard have done imagine, without it. Isn't it? yeah good wait Lord. so 15 years so that's 2007 seven damn you predate me by like two years you beat me because I started in 09. Did you have a blog back then? So I couldn't blog when I was at Realogy, right? Oh, so, okay. 
yeah, that's why I couldn't start until 2009 until after I quit. But anyway, back to yeah. So you've seen you've seen the market sort of really come and go, and let's talk a little bit about that affordability getting worse. Like what what are your what's your take? Do you have any like what are you seeing in terms of that the affordability? Like how bad has it gotten? You because you mentioned COVID accelerated the trends, so trends are already towards it becoming more and more difficult. Like just what's the magnitude of that problem? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to say it on a or put it on a, a rating scale, but um, you know, it's 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 serious. I mean, the the uh, as you said, the home ownership rate has gone down. Um, and, you know, when I started this in two thousand eight, that was right before the housing crash, the mortgage meltdown, subprime mm-hmm. crisis, whatever you want to call it. Um, that all started. In fact, our our uh, our business plan, the uh, primary market was to be lenders and the GSEs, Fannie and Freddie. And uh, at a meeting, my first sales call was with Fre- uh, Fannie Mae, and uh, they were excited. I was excited. And a uh, couple months later, we had the meltdown and uh, couldn't find any of those people. So, uh, so, so that's. But, but you know, that's uh, need. Need is the mother of invention, and and we had a, a secondary market planned once we got established with lenders and that was the real estate point of sale so we just did the classic uh startup pivot and in 2009 started marketing this to multiple listing services and uh went to my first cmls conference in north lake tahoe in 2009 and uh the idea the idea behind that is that everybody starts their home search online nobody knows these about these programs, but what what better place to put it than somebody's looking at a listing, they get interested, they look at the listing details page, why not be able to tell them, hey, this home is eligible for down payment assistance, see if you are. And so that seemed to make sense to me. We started talking to MLSs and made sense to some MLSs and we got started from there. Since then, um, you know, we do have a uh, very robust uh, uh, sales channel with lenders, and that's growing fast. Uh, Greg, I know you talk about the the TAM for um, MLSs. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's for the reasons you've uh, explained before. There's uh, there are limitations on that uh, with lenders. Uh, the TAM is a lot bigger, but it's just, it's a natural you know it's a natural fit with lenders. So roughly, like how many people are we talking about this receiving this assistance every year? Yeah. So. Um, we can make an educated guess. It's not tracked real closely, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I would say ten to fifteen percent, probably a little bit more, but ten to fifteen percent. So we're talking six hundred thousand purchases because there's roughly six million, right? So yeah. somewhere between six hundred thousand and eight eight hundred thousand purchases are down payment assistance. So are these all government programs that we're talking about here? I mean, mostly. I mean, there there are uh, you know financial institutions have some pr- proprietary programs. Right now, what we keep in our database are all the uh, government, quasi government programs, nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I want to point out too about that number, that ten or fifteen percent, uh, we did some research with the Urban Institute, and yeah. we analyzed Humda data. We did it two years running, 2017, 2018. And the purpose of it was to say how many home buyers are actually eligible for down payment assistance. So what's the gap between who's getting it and who could get it? 
And we looked at the 31 largest MSAs, and we found for all mortgage types, so meaning conventional, FHA, VA, USDA, for all mortgage types, 36% of the borrowers for those years were eligible for down payment assistance. That's crazy. And, and we were looking only at owner-occupied purchase transactions. And But if you break out FHA, because that's where most of the down payment assistance happens. Right. You break out FHA in some of those markets, it was 60, 65, 70, 75% of FHA sure. borrowers were eligible. So their numbers, they say about 15% of their purchase loans uh, have DPA. They actually say 40%, but the rest of that is, they call it DPA, but it's a family, you know, gifted DPAs of, okay. the, of the DPA that FHA, FHA, DPA with FHA loans is about 15%. So if 15% of FHA borrowers are getting it and 60 or 70% are eligible, that's a huge gap. Why do you think that is? You know, I think probably, right? They just don't know it's out there, right? Exactly. It, you know, back to the, um, not, to, not to skip around too much, but, you know, the event, we'll, get, we'll talk more about inventory because that's certainly a huge part of what's driving this. And, you know, uh, there's no denying that, that inventory is a huge issue. But uh, what I can talk about more is, you know, what sort of things can we control and one of the things we can control, and I think a, an issue on almost on par with inventory, is what Greg just said. It's lack of awareness. And there are things that can be done about that. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of money out there, and um, people don't know about it. If you don't know about it, you can't ask for help. And then along with it, you've got some other, um, let's just say, disincentives for maybe participating in these programs, whether you're a lender, whether you're a real estate agent. So, um, you know, I think, I think that's the heart of it. And, and the good news is that's something that can be fixed. So I guess, you know, the first thought that comes to mind is, and I'm, I'm talking to um, like an economist, I'm going to say in the next couple of weeks about this, but there's some criticism as to some of these sort of demand size, uh, demand boosts, boosters, right? whether it's down payment assistance, whether it's uh, subsidized uh, interest rates. You know, there are some folks who feel like, look, we actually would have a much healthier market. We would actually have more home ownership if we got rid of a lot of these demand boosters because that would then force home prices to come down, right? And, you know, in the last two years, home prices are up like 18 19% a year. You know, I mean, it's just crazy, crazy home price gains. It, it, I mean... It almost does, like, there is a point to be made. Like, I don't know how much down payment assistance are, but, I, I mean, you can't just, you just can't keep up with prices that are going up 20% a year, right? So right. is there an argument to be made that maybe the solution here is to actually get rid of all the DPA, all demand boosters, get rid of 30-year mortgage, like, let the market work, and we'll actually have more home affordability. Like, what are your thoughts around that argument? Yeah, so I, I understand the point. I've certainly heard the argument a lot. Yeah. Um, I look at it, you know, what's the alternative? And from a social standpoint, you know, home, home ownership is something that's important. It's important to society. It's important to, you know, at the community level, the neighborhood level, the family level, 
you know, you look at the, um, you know, the outcomes, the health outcomes, education outcomes, uh, you know, economic, um, uh, you know, economic benefits, you know, that, that come by being a homeowner. And you also look at the widening wealth gap. Sure. And the, you know, the, the difference, the, the haves and the have nots and, uh, you know, that keeps widening. And so much of that is driven by household wealth. You know, studies show that about, um, you know, the, the non-homeowners, the average net worth is $25,000. And for homeowners, it's 10 times that or something like that. So, yeah, I understand the argument, but I think uh, I think we could put ourselves in a worse situation if we reduce the, the rate of homeownership. Right. So I think the argument, though, is that there's, there's a difference in correlation and causation, right? In other words, like the savings rate, it could be correlation in the sense. And we heard this when the first dot com, when the first real estate bubble burst, right? And people are like all these ninja loans and all this, in, you know, irresponsible lending. It's like, well, homeownership was high, but it just wasn't, you know, sustainable. And the thought was, you know, maybe somebody who can't afford, who doesn't have the type of habits to save 10, 15, 20% down payment, maybe they shouldn't own a home. Obviously, there are arguments to be made on both sides of that. You know, and I guess I'm just wondering because I know you've heard this and you've been working in the down payment assist side for so long. Like, so maybe it's a question about the type of demographics, right? You know, the idea that if you can't save 10, 15, 20% down payment, you shouldn't own a home. You should just continue to rent and save more, you know, like just keep saving. Like, what's the other side of the argument? Do you know what I mean? I mean, are, well, you more, are you talking more on like MID type of stuff? That are no. you considering that like a a kind of, you know, a subsidy in a sense, or what? Or, or are you talking about these kind of programs? Because I mean, I'm talking about I like the, think, the so the argument from the free market side, yeah, right. But I mean, I, I think the, when you go back yeah. To, when you no, go back to that, some the, go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. I think when you go back to some demographics, I mean, I think you know we should identify things where. Uh, that can help, you know, um, as, as Rob says, kind of like even out things for sure. So I think the argument from the free markets argument side, and again, I'm not, I'm not, this is such a complicated topic. I don't, I don't know which side I fall on. Right. Cause you know, as you know, I'm an ANCAP. I hate government programs of all kinds. At the same time, I also can't deny we're just heading straight toward renter nation. Right. And it's not good for society. You know, I just wrote this post recently about like how, in this pandemic times, you know, I feel like the fact that I own a home gives me the security and stability that if I were renting, I, I wouldn't have, right? So I, I'm getting that at the same time, the argument I think is if it's not that responsible, you know, hardworking savers can't afford to buy a home. The argument almost is if you don't have the type of habits, right, that lead to home ownership, then maybe you shouldn't own a home. You know, it's, it's almost that kind of argument. And there's something a little bit heartless about that, right? which I think is why we don't hear very often, but it is something that gets made. And ultimately, this is has to do with more of the overall affordability picture, right? Because it's something that I've been talking about and I've been asking people a whole lot. Ultimately, can you have housing affordability without home prices going down? Well, it also has to do with inventory too, though, or the right type but, of inventory. Sure, right. But I'm saying if we, if we double mansions for sure. the rich and, and don't, you know, do some sort of like uh, multifamily type of situations or affordable housing, I mean, right. you know, 
it depends on, you know, the product we put out, right? And sometimes it's, you know, that has to be regulated because builders are, are not going to see the profits they would off of, of a certain type of home set, right? Um, so it's, I mean, you're right. It is complicated. It's complicated. It's very it's complicated. super complicated. Well, no, yeah, it is. There's, there's no question. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it's overwhelming when you, when you, you know, start digging into all this and look at all the causes, look at all the potential solutions. Um, what are the, what are the obstacles? What are the hurdles to those solutions? But we need more, we need more housing stock. We do. That's, that's what's going to uh, impact, you know, the, the affordability of housing or the, you know, well, it's, it's housing stock, but the right type of housing stock, right, Rob? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to have entry level and, and that's, that's part of the problem now is that not only is the housing stock squeezed, but it's especially squeezed at the entry level. So that's disproportionately impacting first time home buyers, the underserved communities, minorities, uh, because they don't have, they don't have big down payments. Uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, one thing, one thing I'll go back to just just a, a second ago because Rob, you were talking about the you know the subprime crisis and and all the people mm-hmm. you know too many people got in homes they couldn't afford because of ninja loans and liar loans and liar liar loans and all that. Uh, I, I used to get on a, I used to have a huge soapbox that I got on because back then at, at two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. So uh, there were people writing about they were they were they were brushing uh, with a broad brush uh, people who took out subprime loans and irresponsible you know not loans that just weren't underwritten basically versus people who were uh, got loans using down payment assistance. There's all kind of data now that shows that uh, these borrowers and these loans perform on par with prime loans. So, and we could go into, we could spend an hour just talking about that. I don't want to sure. beat that to death, but. And then we'll bore everyone to tears because, you know, the details <laughs> yeah. of mortgage are not something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But so, so the point is that uh, uh, the, the amount of down payment is not a predictor of loan performance. Gotcha. So if, if we, if we accept that, you know, for what it is, um, then, you know, look at the inventory. Okay. Well, you know, one of the things that, and, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm pretty simple minded. So it took me a while to figure this out. In fact, I had to ask, I sent, uh, you know, Elliot Eisenberg, the bowtie economist. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I sent him an email this week. I said, Elliot, you know, this is probably the dumbest question you've had in a while, but you know, we know there is, there's in, an indisputable shortage, uh, of housing stock of inventory for sale. But we sold almost seven million homes last year. Mm-hmm. Most homes in fifteen years. It's almost yep. you know the record isn't much more than seven million. Yeah, yeah it is. It is so, kind of like it's a weird, so, yeah. a weird narrative. There are there, people who right? say we don't have an inventory crisis, right? We know mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, I mean, you know. so and what he 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 pointed out some some things which I I won't get into the weeds, but but he did say first of all, yeah, by definition, a home that sells is a home that came on the market. What the issue is, is the, it's like the flywheel is out of control. It's the velocity of sales. So that any given moment, there's not enough stock on the uh, shelves. Right on. Yeah. But, but it's when you. So what, fast, it doesn't. It, yeah. Yeah. The, the inventory yeah. goes it, so fast. It's not going to. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, so again, and so that's not to say it's not a problem, um, but uh, 
you know, I, the, the question I gotten the most the last year or so um, is uh, because in, because of this market, the lack of inventory, the all cash buyers, it's so hyper competitive. Is it even worth it for a first time home buyer who needs, uh, you know, a low down payment loan like FHA or, you know, 97% conventional, maybe needs mm-hmm. down payment assistance. Is it even worth it for them to go out and look for a home? Will they even be able to buy a home successfully? If, you know, we know that, uh, you know, sellers obviously are going to gravitate towards what they think is the deal, the offer, not only the best price, but what's going to close. You know, I I don't want uh, maybe I don't want to have an FHA, a a contract contingent on FHA, because what if the appraisal comes in low? What if the appraiser says I have to make repairs as a seller? And as a result, you know, a lot of agents um, are advising buyers not to present FHA, VA contracts, USDA contracts, government loans. So, yeah, that's all real. And yet these housing agencies, these these program providers are doing a good business. They did a good business in 2020. They did a good business last year. They're doing a good business this year. So somehow people are still getting offers accepted and still buying homes with FHA loans and with down payment assistance. Okay. It's not easy. So, you know, and, and this is something that, you know, like I said, I get the question all the time. It makes me ask people that are in the trenches, how, how is this happening? Because again, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. It doesn't compute, right? I think we, you hear a lot of stories from the coastal cities about all this wackiness going on, but there's still a lot of country, right, out there that's a, a bit more normal than, you know, your... Southern California is in your Washington's and you know, everything else. Right. So I think, um, but a lot of the stories focus upon some of the craziness out there in these, these coastal type of cities. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's, well, you know, so that, that makes a little sense to me. One question I had is you, you talked about, and, and maybe you just rattled one off, but I think you had said some, there's some disincentives for, for agents mm-hmm. right. or lenders to offer these types of programs beyond what you just talked about where they don't think that, you know, an agent doesn't think that, you know, those types of loans will get a up higher in a place of in a bidding war. What other disincentives are you talking about? Maybe I'm using the wrong word of why lenders or, or agents kind of shy away from these down payment resources. Yeah. Resources. So, uh, and I'll, I'll separate agents and lenders cause it's a little bit, different there's some commonalities but um, first of all it it does add a layer of complexity to a transaction okay and that complexity starts with finding the pro- you know knowing that programs are out there finding them you know it's a rubik's cube trying to line up is is the property and the borrower and the program you know what's what's going to fit and of course that's what we do is we automate that process that's a different story but um so it's a layer of complexity, but there are also some um, uh, some things, myths and misperceptions that we debunk all the time. Uh, so for one, uh, people, um, it, this is, I would say this is agents definitely and lenders to some degree, people who look at uh, this as a, a very small niche and a not an unprofitable niche. They, in other words, you talk about down payment assistance and people envision, you know, very low cost homes 
maybe in distressed neighborhoods um, and very low income households that these programs are only for very low income households. So, um, and yet it's what it is. It's, it's not a tiny niche. It's a uh, significant market segment and it's growing significantly that, you know, the need for it is growing. So, so that's, that's an issue. The complexity is an issue. And um, then there are these things like, well, is this going to slow down my transaction? And I'm sure there's times where it has slowed down the transaction, but uh, so many of these things, these are unknowns. If you don't, if you don't deal in this business on a regular basis, the, uh, you know, the, un the fear of the unknown, and it's, it always seems worse than what we think it really is. So, um, you so, know, the, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead I was just to say we've been doing this long enough. You know, we we don't we don't get complaints. Uh, uh, you know, saying that that uh, you know these transactions are slowing us down, and you know the, the the research we've done shows that there's very little difference, if any. Um, again, that's you know you can't say a hundred percent that that it's just as fast as doing a conventional loan, um, but what when we talk with agents who are doing this successfully, even in tough, you know, in competitive markets, there are just a couple of common elements: uh, blocking and tackling. Not not any, uh, you know, flashy silver bullets. It's education, patience, and persistence. So, if you know, agents that work with first-time home buyers, especially agents that want to help people with these programs. They, they educate the their their client before they start working with them or as they start working with them and that education has to do with look here's the reality there are going to be homes coming on the market that you're not going to have a chance to buy that's just and here's why so here's what we're going to do you know we're, they 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 help them adjust their expectations they say we're going to we're going to have to look for homes that have been on the market a little while we're probably going to have to go outside the area you originally wanted to buy in and so, you know, that goes back to what you were saying, Greg. I mean, you have you have the high cost markets, but but even, you know, even in cities, uh, you know, in a in a in the, near the heart of a city, it's going to be more expensive. You go further out and it's less expensive. So people are people are going further out. Yes, it's taken them. Maybe maybe they're going to have to make multiple offers before they get one accepted. The other part of the education that the buyer's agent is doing is with with the seller and or the listing agent um, and to be able to convince them that, look, I know what I'm doing. I do this all the time. This way you don't have to worry. Here, talk to my lender. I work with lenders who do these things every day. They're good at it. They know how they get it done. That's not going to win it. That's not going to win the day every every time. But that's the kind of stuff that, that people tell us. And, um, you know, and we hear it in in all kinds of markets, including this kind of market. So, all right. So, I, I mean, I guess I want to talk a little bit about futurism a bit, right? In terms of solutions. I mean, am I crazy in thinking that down payment assistance actually just fits right in with power buyer models? Right. Meaning, you know, like the open, like buy with open door or uh, fly. Not, I don't know if Fly Homes does it anymore, but you know, like where the guy, these companies go in and pay cash on behalf of a buyer. 
Well, that's all cash. That's not a down payment at all. It's a, that's exactly all the money. But what I mean is like, doesn't this make sense? In other words, open door goes in, pays cash, right? Sellers out, listing agents out. They don't have to worry about, you know, is this going to close on time, et cetera. And then you negotiate the down payment assistance, this mortgage afterwards, right? So that it only involves the buyer, not the seller. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And so and there are companies that actually do that. And there are companies that, um, I don't know if you've heard of a company called Landis, L-A-N-D-I-S. No, okay. uh, yeah, check into them. They're not in every market yet. Uh, they're a very, very well-funded startup. And their their mission is to help, you know, low to moderate, low to moderate income people get, get ready uh, to be homeowners and, 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 you know, all of these, the the motivation behind this is not like the subprime deal where let's shoehorn as many people as we can in the homes. Mm-hmm. It's how can we make people be successful homeowners? How can it? How can we make sure it's sustainable? Okay. So, so given that, like, have you? Are you guys in talks with Open Door or some of these power buyer guys? Are they are they interested in this? Implementing this part of their flow as part of their process. When it's a little bit. It's a little bit nuanced there. The way I think about it, Rob, is that so. Once they, once the the buyer works with those guys or seller, what's the sell? It's more of the seller thing. I, I guess I get no, I'd but be the seller's at. just getting cash, so the seller doesn't right, care, right? right? Right. So the power so buyer. The issue is, but but yeah. the issue is like, is it? Aren't these down payment resources? based upon the buyer and if if right. basically the uh, if if the power buyer is now the the person and they're not of native american descent or whatever the reasons why they're going to get this down payment resource this down payment assistance um would it work in a post model of that right well, well yeah the, so the, the way is different. yeah what what happens uh in the case of landis um they they buy the home and they actually, the 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 person who's ultimately going to buy that home, uh, they connect with Landis. They get pre-approved, basically underwritten for a mortgage, and you know they have to meet certain guidelines. Not not just not just prove and 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 be underwritten to the point where they know that within a year or eighteen months they will be able to get approved for a mortgage. So there's a lot of work that goes on on the front end. Once Landis approves them, and they have a budget, a set budget, they go the the customer client goes out and finds a home. Landis buys it for all cash. The the their client rents the home, like I said, for twelve or eighteen months, and then they buy it when they're you know as soon as they can get that mortgage. And I think they have. Uh, uh, I think they get a three percent premium, three percent a year. Landis gets three percent a year. So, in other words, in in twelve months, that buyer is going to pay three percent more than what Landis paid for. Which in this market, when a home price is going up nineteen percent, is Landis awesome taking deal. a loss. Yeah. yeah, that's a great deal. No, but it's it's that right. It's the main issue is the bridge loan models. You actually have to be a homeowner first so that they could sell, list and sell your house. I'm saying this is just straightforward. First time home buyer, they don't own a house today. They come in, and I think Land is the first company I've heard doing something like this. I want to hear like Open Door and, you know, OfferPad and some of these other power buyers that are out there are looking at stuff like this, right? Because that would, 
it would eliminate one of the complications with the seller saying, well, I don't want to take an FHA with a you know, buyer assistant because that's going to fall apart. It's like, no, no, as far as you're concerned, you're just getting paid cash, right? And you're yeah. getting taken right out. Yeah. Um, and I just, so that that's one. The second thing that I was wondering about was how do we, no, so maybe, you know, like you mentioned this before, Rob, where you said some of the studies have shown that these, you know, home buyer, uh, down payment assistance buyers, you know, they're, the mortgage at the same quality as prime because there was a study you know done right after the sort of collapse that i remember reading it's a little bit dated that talked about the biggest predictor of foreclosure was the amount of equity that the buyer had right so obviously if you have a low equity owner and you know it goes underwater they're just gonna walk right are you showing that that's just not the case? Like, or are the programs engineered in such a way that that's not an issue? Like, talk, talk to me about that. Yeah, J.P. Morgan Chase a couple of years ago did a study, so much more recent than what you're talking about or the time frame you're talking about. I, I remember seeing some of those back then. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't remember the details, so I don't know if it's the exact same one, you know, that, that you're talking about, but definitely saw that. You know, there's... Um, there's a lot of way you can manip- ways you can manipulate the numbers to prove a point, and I'm not saying the study you read was was a lie, but uh, it, it was just old. I mean, I, yeah. I was at least ten years old, right? Yeah, but uh, you can still have a study that says that people with low equity are not good, you know, people, or you know, they are, are worse loans. But but hold on, but you can also have a study that says people that use the down payment resources tools actually were good ones, right? I mean, they fall in that category low, but maybe because they went through that process, it shows some sort of gumption or, you know, that they are- They want to be homeowners. Make that happen. That because of that behavior, they became better customers to mortgage companies, right? So I don't think they're mutually exclusive. You're you're right. So so some specifics around that. Uh, Almost all these programs require uh, a pre-purchase counseling uh, certified education program. So there's some, you know, they have to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the loans are underwritten, which of course that was not happening with the subprime loans and the ninja loans and all that, but they weren't underwritten. Nobody had to have it, had to have an income or, or um, ha- didn't have to have assets. And so, so they have the education, the loans are carefully underwritten. And then on the loans that, um, you know, some of the loans that people are getting when they're getting DPA, like through state housing finance agencies, those agencies are all also offering the first mortgage. Now, any, you know, the lenders who participate with them are the ones, you know, making the mortgage. The state HFA is buying it. But a really critical piece is that those first mortgages that are that are purchased by state housing finance agencies is the servicing. So by that, I mean is... Um, you know, if uh, on my mortgage, if I didn't, if I missed a payment, you know, I might not hear from the servicer for, I could miss maybe two or three payments before they'd be looking for me. With these agencies and these loans, they're on the phone with people before it's 30 days late. And, and, you know, if you're, you know, if you have low equity, if you're, you know, moderate income, uh, you know, you, if you get behind, 60 90 days you're probably not going to catch up so that's why that's why they're much more proactive 
in terms of yeah but that doesn't solve the jingle mail problem right in other words if you have low equity and your house goes underwater the study that i i have to go find it maybe uh, what it showed was people just said they just walk away right? a lot of like rich I only people have, walked away too rob right a lot of rich people that? walked away too a lot of rich people walked away too no no what i mean is what the and it makes sense if you have 20% down payment you're much less likely to walk away right because yes. you're you're losing yeah. a huge amount of your equity if you have 2% down payment or 2% equity whatever it's only 2% right it's that and i think the the risk is not that they're good borrowers or is that if the market turns right and you're underwater or you don't have as much equity you fall, get into trouble you just walk whereas the people who have equity they they bend over backwards you know they sell the other assets to make their mortgage payments it it just makes sense right yeah, well, that's the foreclosure risk problem. Yeah, I'll have to dig out for you, uh, uh, J.P. Morgan, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase Institute uh, study that was done a couple of years ago, where they they actually totally refuted that. Okay, uh, cool. All right. So uh, I, I'll dig that out. Maybe you can put it in the show notes for anybody who wants to to read that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, so like that's the futurism thing. I mean, again, I, I think we're almost an hour already. So there's some things that are coming out, I guess. So let me wrap up kind of like this way, Rob. What are you looking forward to, given the market and the situation we're in right now? And how oh, can man. people like, how can, how can we further this education for the market, right? You work with MLSs yeah. and, you know, tell us about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if I was king, um, I would, uh, I would have the industry double down on training on this, first of all, uh, training, certifications, things like that. And I know, I know some, you know, the associations have some training, but not nearly enough, um, to, you know, to overcome these myths and misperceptions, to keep up with the programs, to understand how they work. And I'm not, I'm not talking about trying to make a real estate agent a subject matter expert. They don't, they don't need to do that. They do need to have some good lending partners and, those that's that's where we see the most success is, uh, you know, if our if our tools are available to real estate agents or brokers through their MLS, um, the ones that that make the most you know out of it, uh, you know, they they it's a conversation starter. It's a compelling offer to tell somebody we might be able to help you with a down payment. They don't they don't have to be experts in it. They just have to know that they've got you know one or two or three lenders that loan officers who can do a good job with these programs and say, let me introduce you to my loan officer. They're going to explain it to you. And then the loan officer will, you know, take them by the hand, walk them through it and get the deal done neat and clean. So, you know, education, another thing that's, that's, um, you know, this sounds so, so such a blinding flash of the obvious, but the, I don't, I don't, for the life of me, I don't understand why, the housing industry, and I don't mean just the real estate industry, but the trade orgs, NAR, MBA, home builders, the government, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, HUD, uh, LCMLS, uh, the damn PSAs, public service announcements. And the reason I say that, it sounds, you know, <laughs> Craig's trying not to laugh, but, but seriously, think about. 2009, 2010, the first time home buyer tax credit. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody in the country knew about that, right? Today, 
hardly anybody still knows about down payment assistance. But why did everybody know about it back then? Because the industry and the government, you know, there was a, a, they used their collective megaphone and had a unified, simple message. And it was hammered home and everybody knew about it. And the program was effective. It, it was so successful. They extended, it was supposed to be one year. They extended it to two years. So, um, you know, it just, just getting people aware that these, these programs are out there uh, is just, you know, that's the, that's the low hanging fruit. We can't, yeah. we can't create housing stock overnight. That's going to take time, but we can, uh, we can, there are a lot of people out there that could become homeowners that, that are mortgage ready. There's 37 million renters, 45 years and younger that are mortgage ready today. And, and I a, lot know that of, a lot of times, go ahead. Sorry, finish. No, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, and, and so many of them don't know it. You know, there's all kinds of surveys out there and, and research showing that they grossly overestimate the size of the down payment they need. So they've self-selected themselves out of the market. They're not even looking. Yeah. Some of them maybe, you know, there's reasons why they don't want to be homeowners anyway. That's that's mm-hmm. fine. But, you know, there's – and then, you know, you look at um, – you know, uh, I was talking about these this study we did with 31, 31 of the largest metro areas um, – uh, is part of another part of that study, which we weren't involved in this other part, but in those 31 markets, 6.3 million blacks and Hispanics were mortgage ready. And uh, so anyway, there's, there's all kinds of stats about, you know, how many mortgage ready people there are out there. And then what I like, I remember talking to Ishai from um, rental beast and he was talking about, he had a big number for like, there is, you know, $40 billion in referral fees that realtors can make if they tap into the rental market, right? There's got, is there a big number for down payment? I mean, how much, how much assistance and down, how much money is, is available in down point, down payment res, assistance programs out there? I mean, do you guys have a figure like that in, in your industry? Uh, no. And the reason is because they're fund, these programs are funded by different mechanisms. So you have bond funding, you have, you know, uh, government funding, you know, HUD, uh, community development block grants, home programs, and then you have TBA programs, which are basically, it's like a conventional. It's got to have a B in front of it though, right? It's, it's got to have a B. In oh front of it. yeah. I mean, I was just looking at something from Maricopa County, Arizona. So Phoenix area, one, one agency. Now there are other, you know, one program, one agency, $191 million last year of down payment help. Almost awesome. twenty five thousand home buyers they help hmm. Maricopa County, and there there are more programs than that in Maricopa County. So there were more people. So served. what do you think nationally? Are we talking like ten billion, hundred billion? What are we looking at? It's, and are I, there federal programs for this, or is it all state and local? Well, most of the federal money is distributed at the local level. Okay, and that's why you know the CBD, the block grants, CBG, yeah. Yeah, and and, yeah. and home. Uh, they're local participating jurisdictions, whether uh, housing finance agencies and and municipalities. Uh, there are some programs that are available nationwide, and I know we don't have time to talk about this now, but there's sure. some new programs coming online. Um, yeah, there's, there's 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 some really cool stuff going on. Um, right. All right. So let me wrap by asking you a question that might get you in trouble, but might not. <laughs> 
I'm but sorry, we I'm, are dealing with a bad connection here. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and maybe Greg and I will argue about it after. But given that we are talking about a problem that is getting worse and worse, right? Affordability is a major issue. It's getting worse and worse, like you said. Uh, home prices are going up 20% a year, right? Would you support, let's say, a 10% surcharge on real estate commissions in order to fund down payment assistance? Oh, Jesus. Because that's $8 billion a year. Well, that's, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. Um, I don't, I don't think I'm ready to uh, die on that hill. I mean, it, it, you know, the thing is, <laughs> yeah, good for you. <laughs> no, good but, call. but I, I urge you not to, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but seriously. And, and, you know, like I you know, I've, I've been a real estate agent. I've been a mortgage lender. I know how hard you work for your deals. Um, and I know how I would have felt if somebody put a surcharge on my income. Mm-hmm. So that's why, but but the other the other thing is there's already plenty of money out there. There's more money out there than is being used, and a lot of it's being used. But there's still so money isn't the problem. Education, awareness, and inventory is the problem, All and right. we need to create more inventory. And that's that's a Lord knows that's a I don't know how how many industry podcasts that would stretch out but <laughs> who knows maybe greg and i will talk about that in our next uh next thing but uh i think that's a good place to wrap uh not going to commit to a you know career suicide statement so <laughs> I, I, I applaud you, you pass the test rob you pass the test <laughs> uh so if people want to find you uh rob where, where would they go well you could go to our website downpaymentresource.com and instead of trying to remember my email address, there's a, you know, there's a, you could send it to info at downpaymentresource.com or you can send it to rcrane at downpaymentresource.com. Crane has an H in it, R-C-H-R-A-N-E, downpaymentresource.com. And I, I do, you know, I invite listeners, you know, anybody who's interested in this, uh, who feels passionate about it or who has information and ideas, we love talking with people. Um, I love to talk to people and share information. We've got a ton of data we're happy to share. We've got a team of seasoned experts. Um, so uh, I, I invite anybody who wants to talk more. Um, would love to do that. And, right. uh, and always and a pleasure to talk. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Rob. You got your, you know, one of those out there, such a good egg and, yeah. and really coming from a place of doing really good work and yeah. stuff for the industry. But thank you no, so and much. And it's this a, a critical issue, you know, so yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you're out there. So. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that. And I'm glad that you guys are um, you know, talking about this because yeah. it is important. So um, I look forward to the, uh, uh, continuing to listen to Industry uh, Relations Podcast. I love it. All right. Thank Thanks. you, Rob. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care. All right. Bye.